I know just the thing. You need vitamin better buddies. Back to Better Buddies, I'm your host RJ, and with me tonight we have James. Hello. And very special guest, Matthew. Hello, special I'm for back. for his long tenure on this show, I'm sorry. Nope, that's fine. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to be on this podcast because I get interrupted all the time, and then the first thing you do is interrupt me. <laughs> yeah, I realized it as I was doing it. <laughs> that's okay. Ass- assert yourself, Matthew. I don't do that. I am the most beta of Omega males. You don't Wait, have you Omega males? Beta. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, Alpha, Beta, and then Omega. Omega is like the bitch for both the Alpha and the Betas, and that's literally me, so... That is not fucking you. Don't fucking... Dude, you're only an Omega if you think you're an Omega. You no, might I'm... be an Omega naturally, but you don't have to. There are plenty of those motherfuckers who are like alphas in like society who are definitely betas you tell me mark zuckerberg's not a beta mark zuckerberg is not human he's yeah he's a lizard he doesn't count <laughs> Damn, have you seen him right. drink water like or <laughs> like sit or talk Do anything uh, he's a robot isn't he so sexy no do oh. it oh no no that's the that's not that's What's his name? That's Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg? Yeah, that's not the real Mark Zuckerberg. It's but he not? does a really good job of pretending Fuck. to not be human. Are you okay. serious? I thought the guy who gave the... So you're telling me those hearings weren't part of the social network? I thought that was... It was the sequel. It was the... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. We need to back up two steps. You mean the entire website's not advertising for the social network? It's not a movie set? Oh, shit. <laughs> I thought that was an campaign fuck yeah i thought it was some big interactive part of the marketing yeah that would be effective are you telling us it's a lie matt nothing is a lie everything you read on the internet is true especially things that come from mark zuckerberg i knew it so facebook is guerrilla marketing for the social network movie did you read that on the internet wow (laughs) it's just straight up like hey this is the premiere like have you seen what we did to myspace we took it out back and we shot it (laughs) <laughs> that's not true that myspace's death was much more brutal than that it was not that quick well, uh, okay. they, they shoved it into a car and put it in a trash compactor yeah pretty much the, yeah, oh, have you yeah. seen hobo with a shotgun they basically did every single death in that movie to uh myspace and then they bought instagram so they didn't have to kill it wow <laughs> Wasn't Hobo with a Shotgun? That was like around the time that Rubber came out, right? <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember those two movies like being. I remember hearing about Hobo with a Shotgun, but I never uh, saw it. I did see part of Rubber, um, which was an interesting film. Isn't but, that the uh, one about the killer car tire? Yeah, but it's weird because it starts out with a group of people standing on like a little hill in the desert, watching this tire like commit the first murder. So it's immediately, like, meta and ironic because it's, like, they're supposed to be the audience and I think it cuts to them sometimes just, like, casually talking about, like, what they think the tire is doing or something. I don't I don't know if that's real. I've only seen the first, like, 10-ish minutes, but, yeah. Okay. Eddie Well, our better buddy is Icebreaker for this evening is if you had to put together a TED Talk presentation and give it, what would your topic <clears throat> be? You had to give a TED Talk. What would your TED Talk be? Good question. Thank you. Um, I probably wouldn't um, give a TED Talk. You have no choice in the matter. Yeah, I figured that because that was your opening question for this podcast. (laughs) I did. uh, I would do, you know, I don't have a talent and I don't have, what what do people do TED Talks on? I mean, it depends. I mean, TEDx is where it's anything, because it's basically mm. just to, like, you show up and give a talk, because TEDx is anything, it's Expo or something. TED is, like, very educational, directive science stuff. I would probably do uh, 
anecdotal anxiety slash depression TED talk, just like my experience with anxiety and depression and just, you know, mental health journey I've been on probably for the past year, uh, two years, I guess. Um, That's a really good TED talk because like a lot of times, at least as I understand TED talks, a lot of it is either like super educational science stuff or... It's all like super definitively. Here's a positive direct, like here's definitive positivity, without as much of the hardship and struggle. Um. Yes. So that, or I would steal uh Sam Winchester's TED Talk and just give Sam Winchester's TED Talk on, um, what what does he give a TED Talk on? Like in that alternate world, he gives a TED Talk. Like if they had never became hunters, he would he gave TED Talks on like. I don't know. I'm going to look I, it up. You're going to have to look it up because I never got to that oh. point in the show. Oh. Which I got pretty far in that show, so I don't know how I missed him giving TED Talks. Yeah, but isn't Supernatural basically like the shonen anime of the West? Isn't it like fucking I mean, long as shit? Yeah, I got to season like 10 or 11 and there's 13 seasons. Holy fuck. Yeah. Dude, there's... 15 seasons. Oh, yeah, 15. That's right. Jesus Christ. I'm surprised it took them till season, like, 13 or 14 to do a Scooby-Doo episode. (laughs) That's the animated one, right? Yeah. Don't they, like, hit on Daphne or something? I don't remember. I never saw it. So Velma has a crush uh, on uh, Sam, and um, Dean tries to get with Daphne, but that doesn't work out. But Velma is like, wow, you have really nice shoulders, Sam. And then she, like, grabs him and, like, kisses him. And then... Fuck. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite episodes of Supernatural. Uh, Really? Yeah, recent episodes of Supernatural. Didn't the show get kind of, like, meta as it went on? Like, it kind Or was it always kind of like that? Part of the problem was God. Okay. Because God was a writer who wrote the world of Supernatural, and they met God. And God eventually decided that he didn't want to do this anymore. He was done and tried to destroy it. So is it God? Like God-God? Like Judeo-Christian God? Or is it like meta-narrative, like writer-God? Both. It's kind of both. Okay. Interesting. They're like, yeah, so so they they spent, well, this whole last season is um, Sam and Dean against God, because God basically wrote all these worlds and all these stories and it basically gave the the writers of the show like um different avenues like because they didn't know that they were going to go on for 15 years so Mm. they're like oh if it ended in this season like this is like how it could have ended um or, or if it ended in like oh what if it ended with uh like lucifer like taking over sam's body and like him actually bringing up on the apocalypse, you know? Hmm. So it, it sort of gives him play with that or the writers play with that. And then it also like, um, gives them a chance to sort of break the cycle in this final season. And I, I mean, I don't know if it was cut short due to COVID, but I know a lot of the CW shows are cut short due to COVID. Hmm. Um, but this was like, supposed to be like the definitive end of supernatural also Um, in world uh god was an author who was publishing the books that were word for word sam and dean's adventures and they wound up one episode was at a uh, convention about those books (laughs) but it takes place in like the real world like or like the like god is like yeah okay okay so so the the original character of God was God undercover as a prophet. So the prophet Chuck wrote these series of books, and instead of it being books of the Bible, it was just occult fiction. Okay. So it was like it was like uh, fifteen or twenty books of um, Sam and Dean's life, just written like holy shit, like this is like this pro- God's prophet, Chuck. Um, and, and God really did pull the wool over everybody's eyes because nobody knew he was God until like the fan theory sort of was like, what if, what if Chuck is God? Because like Chuck, Chuck didn't die. He just disappeared. Okay. So narratively, they're like, what? 
because the next <laughs> pro, the, the the way it works is there's only one profit at a time, and then okay. the next profit only shows up when the last profit dies. So okay. so uh, the next profit is Kevin. Kevin is played by Azur Chow, and uh, yeah. So but like Chuck didn't die. Um, they killed his archangel, I think, um, Raphael. But the, like Chuck just disappeared off the face of the earth, and so they're like, "Wait, what?" So in the two hundredth episode, um, the, uh, a group of high school students put on Supernatural the musical. Um, okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. So like, and then some hijinks. You know, normal Supernatural hijinks happens. Sam and Dean are there, and they're like, wait, this is our life being put into a musical. Anyway, like, yeah. that's when they bring Chuck back, and then it's sort of, like, meta-confirmed that he's God. So it, it all basically started as, like, a fan theory, and then the writers were like, you know, like, this sort of seems like a, you know, like a possibility that we'd like to, you know, explore, huh. um, like, narratively. So they brought him back. Uh, I think he's actually one of the writers of the show. So it just sort of worked out. <laughs> That's funny. I, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he's one of the writers of the show because I know Gabriel is one of the executive producers or the actor that plays Gabriel, the Archangel. <laughs> okay. Um, so they brought like Lucifer back. They made Lucifer have a son. Uh, and then they brought God back because Lucifer's son was like fucking with his creation quote unquote, but it was basically just mm. God playing the, the entire time because in all of his endings, it was uh, Sam killing Dean or Dean killing Sam. Or um, if you look at the season 14, the ending of season 14, it was um, Dean as uh, Lucifer's son's father figure, mm. like killing him. Uh, he thought that would have been a good ending for the show. And then when Dean's like, yeah, no, we don't want to do this. Like, you stop fucking with our lives, God. God, like, throws a temper tantrum and basically is like, fine, welcome to the end, you know? That was Jesus. a finger snap for anybody confused as to what that sound was. But, yeah, so that was... So your uh, your other TED Talk topic would be supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, really, really, really quick. I got... I have to ask... Uh, <laughs> always interested in this kind of stuff how do they portray Raphael? because in like i've read it paradise lost and obviously i've read parts of the bible and in like paradise lost Raphael is like the angel that comes down to adam and eve in the garden like the day before they eat the apple and he's portrayed as kind of like a very like i i took him as like very he's like very flamboyant and he's very flashy he's kind of like a really beautiful dunce and he basically tells them like the entire story of creation and ends it with like but please don't do these things that sound very exciting but please don't do them um and then like that like he basically talks to adam for like four hours and eve gets bored and that's when she wanders off and finds the serpent um so how do they portray Raphael in supernatural or is he kind of just like a background like name that's just mentioned or what no he he's a he's an actual character because the whole reason of having the prophet and uh the archangels was to uh, it was still in their um apocalypse arc so they were gonna end the show after like season three or season four and mm -hmm. i think they were uh, pretty close to ending it season five but it, it was just so popular that they kept going so uh, Raphael is basically this no nonsense, um, like voice of God through the prophets. Like he, he is the archangel for the prophets. So he's like, shit, like I have to protect Chuck. Like, okay. He's like, uh, yeah, no, he's played by the, oh, who does, who plays him? Uh, hold on. Let me, let me. So he's kind of like the Terminator to like a young John Connor. He's like the he's like the stoic, but like a begrudging like See, guardian. I, I'm trying to remember now because I thought wasn't there one archangel who was trying to bring about the apocalypse? Was that Raphael? Would well, be Gabriel because uh, of Gabriel's horn. 
No. So Gabriel is first he's introduced as the trickster or Loki, but it turns out that Loki like he just went into hiding because he did, like God leaves, right? So his children, his the angel children, they're like, Well, what the fuck do we do now? Like literally there's nobody to tell us what to do and we're very much soldiers. Mm-hmm. Who, like take orders, follow orders. We like we don't do anything outside the book. And Gabriel was like, but the archangels have a lot more leeway with that. Um, like other than a few, um, does his duty. His duty is find his perfect vessel, which is Dean, and bring about the apocalypse. Uh, fight Lucifer on Earth and destroy everything, basically. Uh, oh, sorry, Raphael is uh, the third third brother so he's like it's michael is the older brother and then lucifer is the second older brother and then Raphael is um middle yeah that third one there's seven mm-hmm. archangels i think in the in the world of supernatural okay um, i don't know because there's metatron metatron was the scribe of god um megatron no, Met- Meta Metatron. Megatron. <laughs> Megatron. Megatron from uh, from Transformers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, then um, there's Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel. They do mention Gabriel's horn is a big part of the the apocalypse arc. I'm pretty sure. Well, because uh, that's the that's the horn that they blow when they're going into battle against like. To, against like the fallen right like I, I think i think in biblical mythology like the, him sounding the horn is essentially not only like the beginning of the end of the apocalypse i think but it's also just like the final call to like the final battle i think but i can't really remember I, it's been a while since i've read some of that stuff yeah so james what's your ted talk gonna be on mine would be on the merits of conspiracy theories or at least reading them not the merit of the content but just the idea of like letting yourself fall down a rabbit hole and just seeing like how you can be persuaded into certain things um and then taking a step back and like kind of thinking about like why uh, you might have been like persuaded that way. If there's like any little kernels of truth in the theory, like where it goes wrong, and like basically just how reading conspiracy theories, because there's some of the like in our world, they're like it's some of the greatest like modern myths that like exist because the they're so fascinating flat. and they're just like, yeah, well, they're just like it's like it, 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 it they are like what makes them I think so interesting and so off putting at the same time is the fact that like one, they are just overloaded with like crazy people. Um, because I do think a lot of conspiracy theories stem from just natural human, uh, inclination to want like control and to want like an explanation for everything. It's a lot easier to pin all the ills of the world on like a shadowy group of like elites than it is to just accept that like, while there may be certain like, extra governmental forces at work that like most of the chaos that happens in the world might just be natural either resulting from like human action uh uh, not human action but human like accident i guess or just like natural occurrence um but i do think there's merit in like reading conspiracy theories um because i'm a huge fan of a lot of them not in like again not in the content i'm not advocating for like buying into them wholesale but i think they're just fascinating if you read them as like stories and you kind of just hold your disbelief back for a bit and you let yourself kind of get like taken down that rabbit hole and just kind of see like what fucking insane ideas like people come up with when they get like really really into it because it's like you're gonna end up reading a lot of like very interesting literature um and you might even find yourself like rethinking certain positions that you never thought you would. Um, and that's like maybe the most important lesson I would think is like that those kinds of theories can, or stories, I, I should just call them stories. Um, they, they can kind of like train you to rethink how you even, how you, how you just read in general. Um, and it can make it, it makes the world a lot more exciting and interesting. So that's what I would say would be like a talk on conspiracy theories, rabbit holes, like how to read them. 
like how I, how I read them and stuff like that. But that's, that's probably what it would be. That's really cool, especially the like being able to read them because a lot of the people who do like uh, part of what I'm going to recommend for buddies recommend ties mm. into that because of this. But uh, just the fact that a lot of people who do dive into those rabbit holes and those conspiracy theories start out as people who just want to know more, mm-hmm. and then get just inundated with the same like the flat earther thing. A common story is someone will see a YouTube video and they'll just be like, oh, I'll watch this. And first one leads to a second one, second to a third, third to a fourth. And eventually they start going, yeah, why do, why is that? Yeah. Which isn't always the best because I think like if it's weird because conspiracy, conspiracy theorists, especially with like flat earth people are like, they always champion skepticism unless it, that skepticism relates to their conspiracy theories, in which case they're like, well, no, that's the truth. So that's like, I think it's almost a good idea to be a conspiracy theorist about conspiracy theories um, in a weird way, like just accepting (laughs) the fact of the conspiracies. Yeah. But at the same time, take them to a degree for what they're worth and kind of try to follow some of those trains of logic. Cause you might start reading stuff that like will start to like weirdly make sense within the world that they set up um and that's maybe the issue with them too is that a lot of conspiracy theories like seek out or have an answer and then they essentially build a framework around that answer so they're they're it's not exactly scientific but i I just know from reading like everything from like 9-11 conspiracies to like the new conspiracies coming out about bill gates to like all that fucking like jewish banking shit or whatever the 5g to like um to like aliens or atlantis like or like old theories about like the bible and shit like that it's really interesting because you can end up finding like certain literature that genuinely like especially with the bible or with other religious texts like you end up finding genuine pieces of religious work that were just tossed out so I i think that kind of stuff is like really fascinating and again i don't advocate like going super deep into it because eventually you're just going to hit a wall you're going to you're going to hit like just this pure wall of like paranoia and crazy um just like with any kind of fanaticism that's what you hit but i'm definitely advocated um just if you want like different reading material and stuff that maybe hits a little bit different because it is based on quote-unquote true events so that would be the realm you you see your talk would be like explore the realm here are the different things you can actually get out of exploring it yeah yeah like exploring the realm of alternate possibility like um just just the idea that because something has existed in one form for as long as you've known it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be that way forever and it doesn't mean it it was even complete when you came to it um i i so I, I I like that kind of stuff, but yeah, yeah. Uh, well, my talk would not be nearly as insightful or as in depth. Uh, I'd probably just wind up giving a talk. And now that I just had this thought, I'd either probably do how the MCU is the modern mythology, and how its uh, rise and fall and rise again has mimicked Greek mythology, Roman mythology, and the importance those stories were to that civilization compared to the importance of the MCU to our current civilization, or probably some talk about like Legos and how awesome they are. I like the Marvel one mainly because I'm thinking of, I've never read Watchmen, but I've just heard reviews of stuff mm-hmm. of, it, of it. Okay. Get out. I, just get out. I know. <laughs> wait, wait, I know. Wait, wait. I, MCU Watchmen. Watchmen is, I know. DC. It's DC. No, I know, but what the point I'm making is that um, I, I've heard that in Watchmen, the superheroes are like both superheroes, but they're also their powers and their personas, and they're they're all derived from like certain archetypes of like American culture or British culture. So they're not only just like superheroes; they're re- they are blatant like representatives of certain parts of like the modern world, and I definitely. Definitely, definitely, definitely think you could do you could make that same argument with um, like the Marvel universe. I absolutely 100%, especially with its 
huge popularization through cinema in the past like 12 years so okay i would watch that talk you're slightly forgiven but you still need to go read watchmen because as someone who is so literary and a writer and enjoys exploring the uh i guess i don't know if antithesis is the right word but the counter movement of things watchmen was the counter movement of the superhero community for its time why Um, because it took uh at the time they were coming out of the golden age it was the first noticeable like grim superhero thing alan moore was the grim superhero writer he did because i think he did the killing joke too um Mm -hmm. but he wrote watchmen as a critique of superheroes and superhero culture and the comic and the stories that were being told, uh, such as like, hey, Rorschach is this Batman esque character or this Punisher esque character with these un- this unflinching moral code that doesn't really work in the end. Or Doctor Manhattan is a godlike being. Why in the world is he doing anything for us? Oh, so is Doctor Manhattan supposed to be like an analog for like Superman or something yes. like that? I'm assuming Rorschach is supposed to be like a like a Batman analog almost yeah. or something. Like something along those lines. That's cool. That's like, what what do you think of it as like a fan of like like Marvel uh, stuff? Because you're really, I mean, you're really well read in that stuff. So what do you think of like the Watchmen? I think kind of Watchmen like is great because it calls out superheroes for their flaws. Um, it has its flaws of its own. It's a little too grim and brooding on certain points, mm-hmm. but it does make a number of valid cases of like, hey, this is a more realistic depiction of what would happen with superheroes. Like, in-universe, they don't have superhero comics as a popular thing. Pirates are popular. Pirate comics are what's popular. Um, The superheroes all went and fought in, I think, Nam. It was either Korea or Nam, but I'm pretty sure it was Vietnam. The superheroes fought in Vietnam, and the comedian came out of Nam with PTSD and all these other problems. But he was the patriotic hero. Oh, oh, so like the symbol of like national like unity or patriotism yeah. came out of like the conflict with like like schizophrenia or like mental illness. Essentially, that's Matt. What, have you read Watchmen? Interesting. I I've not read Watchmen, but I've seen the movie. Um, what do you think of the movie? I've heard like mixed things about it. It was all right. I mean, mm-hmm. for not watching the pretty good but um i don't know it was um still because that was um that was Zack snyder right yeah that was snyder Zach did snyder. Watchmen. Yeah. yeah so Zack snyder is not a great superhero movie director yeah with i mean because i don't know like cinematically and comprehensive like story-wise it was all right but it was like I don't know. It it just had that taint of Zack Snyder. And then I think that sort of also translated to um, like Batman vs. Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it was like, well, because well, Batman and Superman or Batman vs. Superman, that whole like Man of Steel universe was very much if Justice League was the Watchmen, which is insane yeah. that like he uh that you would i mean i get it because watchman did do well enough as a as a movie to sort of draw parallels from it and dc has always been like somewhat darker of yeah. a ip than marvel has but like also it seeing that from like because superman is very much a symbol of hope um mm-hmm. and just it, i don't know it, I, I would prefer it if it was better, I think. I feel like the the like I feel like Zack Snyder suffers from because I've seen 300, I've seen a bit of Sucker Punch, I have not seen Watchmen, I've seen Batman versus Superman, I have not seen Justice League. I feel like from what I've seen from Zack Snyder, he suffers a bit from like Michael Bay syndrome, where he has to make like every shot like a trailer shot, basically. Mm. Um, which just gets exhausting. And I definitely I actually like 300 uh it's not like one of my favorite movies but i do like it and i can see the value in it where it's just a very like simple like man's man type movie but 
it focuses on very, very, very simple themes. And I feel like the issue with probably Batman versus Superman and Justice League is that in a way, and it sounds odd saying it, but I feel like those characters, the like the Justice League, were almost too complex for Zack Snyder to properly handle or at least the story he wanted to tell was like outside of his realm of ability because he's trying he tried to do a whole like paradise lost like fallen angel like pseudo religious narrative and just like i saw where he was going with it but it just didn't work because he's also he wants to do that but then he's also just got the whole like 300 Michael Bay syndrome type thing where he wants to make everything like dark and gritty j- just because it looks cool, um, which is the sense you get watching his movies sometimes. But I, 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 it sucks. Like, I feel like he's not that bad of a director or a filmmaker. I do feel like he's just a really shitty storyteller. Like, he's just bad at writing yeah. and shit like that. No, I mean, uh, I think that's why... Uh, that's kind of how I felt watching. I didn't know how to put it into words, but that's how I felt watching mm. Watchmen was like, these characters are very nuanced, nuanced. Mm. Yeah. Like, and that whole world is very complex because the, the very idea of who watches the Watchmen is very like, it, it sounds simple. Like, Oh, who are these like godly figures in our, like in our midst that, you know, fight crime and like save us. Like what, mm-hmm. Like who checks them? Who who balances that out? Like because very much why I, injustice is one of my favorite stories in the DC world is because like it takes that idea of holy shit what what happens when even one of these superpowered heroes of powers of a god just switches like yeah just, like. Yeah, like someone who literally walked down off Mount Olympus and is now like walking around like New York or was found in a in like a field in like Ohio or Kansas or wherever. Like how do you I think that's a good point. Like I think it's uh and it's odd because it's a simple question to ask, right? Like that's definitely right where it's like who watches the watchmen, like what do we do about these superheroes? But then when you actually want to like like the very idea of superheroes is like a fascinating and absolutely terrifying concept that there could be just human beings, human beings who just have an immense amount of natural power that basically makes everyone who isn't a superhero subordinate to them. Well, they just can't compete. That's one of the things that I've, one of the reasons I prefer Marvel over DC is no matter what in Marvel, there's always a way to kill them. Like, you can kill Captain America with a sniper shot. That's a good point, yeah. Uh, yeah. Even their, like, heaviest hitters are... They have at least three Superman-level figures in Marvel. One of them is Superman-level, but it's completely self-confidence-based, so if he begins to doubt himself, he gets weaker. Who is that? Uh, his name is Gladiator. He's an alien uh, of the Shi'ar okay. Empire. Okay. First introduced in a Fantastic Four comic book, then became more of an X-Men thing. Uh, Then the other two they have, one of them is from a world with a Justice League parallel. Uh, His name is Hyperion, but there they took over the planet and were running things. And then, and but they usually uh, they usually get kicked back to their own planet. And then the last one is Sentry, who they introduced in the early thousands but introduced him as, yeah, he existed in the Marvel Universe, but he's got schizophrenia, so if his dark side comes out, it's horrendously dangerous, so we've mind-wiped him and everybody else. But he can be killed through, like, being Bob Reynolds, his normal person identity, um, throw a Hulk at him and it's not pretty, but, like, outside of those three exceptions, everybody, and those three exceptions are exceptions, but they're still weaker than anything dc does yeah while dc constant has like i need three hands to count the number of super people of kryptonians that their only weakness is kryptonite and magic which both got introduced way later because somebody needed to go on vacation (laughs) was kryptonite not with superman from the get-go no right uh, yeah no oh man you want to explain it um from what what i understand is the original superman was very much 
like over like very overpowered and they didn't like retcon like or give them any weaknesses until i think um the silver age right it like so original very original superman was stronger than normal man but he wasn't the overpowered thing he is today he was faster than the speeding bullet he could leap tall buildings in a single bound but it really was just he jumped everywhere he had strength he was more durable but he could he jumped everywhere Later, he started getting amped up, but he didn't have any weaknesses. And for the Superman radio show, the guy who voiced Superman wanted to go on vacation. And they went, well, crap, it's a weekly show. How do we get Superman to not be Superman for two weeks while this guy goes on vacation? So they invented Kryptonite. And uh, ever since, Kryptonite has been a Superman weakness. But it's not it's so it, it's not actually because isn't kryptonite just a remnant or like a mineral found on the home world? Yep. So isn't it like it's not necessarily a weakness? It just returns him to like the state that he would be in on his home planet because on Krypton yes. you're not all like flying around and flipping cars and shit like that, right? Like, the, yeah, but it's irradiated. Yeah, it's okay. different because it's irradiated with the basically it was the death of a red sun. So so it's irradiated with like the red sun and then that's what makes him or any kryptonian allergic to it the same way that uh daxamites are allergic to lead it it sort of just drains them of their um the the yellow sun energy because that's basically what they are they're just super batteries for like they're like if humans were plants and could um transform solar energy into like strength and power and so they're like photosynthetic basically, basically. like they fun fact okay uh in <clears throat> the kingdom come miniseries superman oh no it's not kingdom come it's the dark knight ret- rises dark knight returns the dark knight returns. series comic book that i recommended a few weeks ago superman actually stops a nuke from hitting gotham and he blows it up on himself and falls to Earth, a withered husk, and he drains the solar energy out of the surrounding plant life. So uh, there's several comics where he actually flies into the sun to recharge. So Really? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Are, are and they, and one like, where he gets super cancer because he absorbs too much solar radiation. Are they invincible on... Were they, were they like... Do they have these abilities or something like it on their planet? Do they have, like, nope. long lives? Or is it just because they're in a different atmosphere it's, that they're able to do all this shit? It's the... Uh, so, sorry. It's the oxygen content is higher on Earth, I think. Okay. I think that's part of it, too, is the, the atmospheric makeup of Krypton and the gravity is uh, a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but also, it's the fact that he's under the yellow sun because I think the yellow sun fact was also a retcon. Yeah, it like, probably I'm, was. I'm pretty sure it started out as just the gravity thing, and then um, as he started to accrue more power, they're like, "Well, okay, well, it doesn't make sense to where it's just like they wanted to give him, I think, another sort of weakness, which is like, oh, it's just under a yellow sun, you know? Like yeah. they wanted to give it like an actual an actual reason um to that he's super that he like it's not just oh there's weaker gravity here so i seem like i'm stronger than everybody else they yeah. want a way they can point at and say hey look here's a reason we're not all stronger on weaker gravity moon yeah cuz the gravity thing oh. if you think about it doesn't really make sense cuz he grew up as a baby, like from here. being a baby yeah. here, so he would only be used to the gravity here. Like, mm. yeah. So it's not necessary. So they changed it to where it was his physiology. Okay, it was it, it, it was more just like so they had a more like specialized science to explain like in universe why he and like other Kryptons have this like or Kryptonians have this like these yep. abilities where like you said where it's like we can't do half the shit they're doing, like, if we go to the moon or stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's move on to Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media that we enjoyed. Yes. Uh, I'm going to start off this time, just because uh, it relates back to James's TED Talk. The podcast Oh No, Ross and Carrie is a podcast where Ross and Carrie 
go out and investigate claims of the paranormal, pseudoscience, religion, far extreme religions, and conspiracy theories. Uh, one time they went, they've hung out with flat earthers, and they went out and conducted a flat earth experiment with the flat earthers and worked together with them. We're like, okay, we're doing this experiment to your specifications, how you want it to be done. And they did the experiment and they spent like an entire day out on this, on two sides of this massive lake trying to like get everything to work and their lasers work and nothing was working. It's evening. They're all exhausted and frustrated. Then finally, one of the guys who was with, uh, with Ross and Carrie and was like around Arthur, he was crouching down trying to get the la- like the laser set up. And he looked over at the lake. He stood up. He got back down. He stood up again. He's like, guys, see that light over there from the from the restaurant across the lake? Crouched down at the water level. Because of the height of the because of where the like the light was, if you crouched down to water level, it disappeared over the horizon because of the curvature okay. of the earth. So they'd okay. spent all day trying to set up their experiment when it was standing right in front of them they just had to crouch down and the flat earthers didn't believe them of course and made up excuses but they've investigated that they've investigated scientology they have like a nine episode arc on their scientology investigation and getting branded and kicked out and like even after they got kicked out one of them got invited to ron l hubbard's birthday party so he went what what is the name of this podcast? Oh no, Ross and Carrie. Oh no, Ross and Carrie. Okay, okay, that sounds really interesting. So they're it's almost like investigative like journalism. Very in, much in, so. Like, in uh, a way. Partway okay. through, Carrie goes back to school to become a journalist, and two in the last like couple months, two of their episodes were Carrie interviewing people about their healing methods for coronavirus. And these people claiming, like, they could cure corona or help with corona. And she was never mean about it. She was very pleasant and very respectful. And just gradually poked holes in everything they said. Until that both of the, like, both times, both interviews, the people eventually said, like, I don't give you permission to broadcast this. I, I, I don't give you permission. I, you're lying about me. You're, and she's like, okay, well, before you go, here's the opportunity to correct anything I might have missaid, and they never do. Because Jesus. there is no correcting it. She's right. <laughs> but yeah. I gotta, I gotta listen to this fucking thing. I didn't Very know good podcast. Okay. Um, I, def- I highly recommend it. What about Hell you guys? Yeah. What would you uh, like to recommend? Uh, I will recommend... I can't remember if we've had this recommendation, because I think you might have made it, RJ, but I cannot remember. Um, I was watching Community... Uh, couple hours ago uh first time i've sat down and watched that show in probably like three years maybe um and i forgot how much i loved it uh i really really like that show i think it's like um really one of the first examples of like quote-unquote modern television uh where it's it's awesome because it is self-aware and meta but it never cuts below its pathos if that makes any sense like it's always authentic uh it never leans too hard into like irony or the metagame i mean sometimes sometimes it gets a little like too self-referential but it maintains like it's never ironic or meta for the sake of being ironic or meta it never tilts into nihilism um and not that nihilism is necessarily like inherently bad but like mass nihilism or nihilism that's just kind of used like uh sloppily can get exhausting um because use that as an excuse in certain shows and obviously we we all know examples of that and that doesn't make them bad but i think community is a great example of how to kind of do like the meta game with a story while still maintaining the actual integrity of the story uh, itself. So okay. that's what I would say. A uh, quick note here, just, I don't know if you heard James, but the uh, table read they did a couple weeks ago for charity, apparently uh, mm-hmm. Donald Glover made some comment about how uh, Troy was probably dead and <laughs> everybody else reacted poorly. He's like, well, I, I don't know. He's like, He's out in the middle of the ocean somewhere, and what if Abed goes on an adventure to find him? And Dan Harmon's like, oh, that's good, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna take notes on this. Seriously, dude, that's actually not a bad idea at all. Um, and honestly, it would make sense, because, 
I know, I mean, the only reason people defend Troy, like, at sea, surviving or not getting lost would be because they like the character. But if you actually think about the character of Troy and the fact that his only other, like, his only other shipmate is, like, an actor, it's like, no, oh. neither of those two are, like, professional seamen. I'd give so LeVar Burton it, a little it, more credit. LeVar, I'm sure LeVar Burton, I think they even set up that he's, like, uh, like he's sailed before. I would not yeah. be surprised um, if in real life he uh, he had. But, but yeah, yeah I, uh, I see what you're saying. That's that's cool, though. I should watch that table read. I, even, I, I saw it come up on my YouTube feed, but I just kind of scrolled past it. But now that I'm getting back into the show, I might give that a, give that a look. All right. Matt, what about you? What would you like to recommend this week? Well, I've been talking about it a lot, so I might as well just recommend Supernatural. Um, uh, I would say all 15 seasons, but not season 9. Season 9 is kind of trash. Which one was season 9? What was the overall one for that? So season 9 was weird because it was sort of in the middle of their, like, hey, we're ideas, and then, like, actually, like, um, doing a lot of fan service from seasons 10 through 15. So... (laughs) Um, so season nine basically, uh, is where they introduce, uh, purgatory. Oh, Uh, purgatory. I I can't remember if they, I think season eight is one of the better seasons because I think season eight is when Castiel becomes God and basically swallows all of purgatory. And then season nine is when, um, Basically, Purgatory is God's um, waste paper mate. bin. Yeah, pretty much. Like he he put um, leviathans in there, and basically, leviathans are just just these creatures that eat everything. And he's like, "Wait, how am I supposed to create stuff if all these things do is eat eat everything?" So basically, he threw all the leviathans in Purgatory, and um, Obviously, um, Castiel eating purgatory brings them to the surface. Um, and then season nine is like the fucking garbage bin that it is. Is season <laughs> nine the one where like, the Leviathans are all doing their crap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, they, yeah. That was. Leviathans uh, get, like, they take over people. Like, I, I don't know. It's hard to explain without, like, spoiling yeah. the whole thing. I guess I don't care if I spoil season nine because season nine is garbage. And should be thrown into purgatory by God Himself. But, oh, full um, yeah. No, literally, like I'm pretty sure most of the fan base would agree with that statement. I, I hope the Leviathans so. like eat people but take their image. The punishment for a Leviathan who doesn't follow orders is they have to eat themselves out of existence, and their master plan is to turn humans into cattle so that they can just feast. Yeah, it's basically like if vampires were the big bad, but vampires could eat anything. You know what I mean? Like and we're weak to soap. Yeah, it was it was a rough year for Supernatural. We we're all very surprised that it went on for another six years. Is it one of those? Uh, uh, is it one of those seasons that even like the writers of the show like disowned, or th- is it just kind of like bad fan reaction and the writers were kind of like, "Ee, didn't I really think, think that was gonna happen." Okay. I think I think a little both. I think the writers knew that they were running out of ideas, and I think that's why seasons ten through fifteen had as much fan service as it did. Because if you at look, that point, you might as well. Yeah, because compared to like they didn't, like I said, they were wholeheartedly convinced that they would be done after season five at the latest. Like they seriously made the apocalypse story like that was very much the progression from seasons one um, all the way to season five. I think Uh, season four, I think, is when the the crux of the apocalypse storyline happened, and I think season five was the aftermath. So they fully just went into it like. Oh, like, and then season six sort of, you know, it's a, you know how like things sort of slog on the longer it goes, like depending on the media, because, you know, they had already pulled so much, like it it was very much um, monster of the week with a shitty, like overarching storyline in season nine, because the big bad was very much like a monster of the week, just like coming back every week. Yeah, it was very, like, how do you, 
I don't know. I there's like literally no way to make that. Like there there were some like scenes that were pretty good, but I think seasons I think season 10 really picked back up um just for comparatively like uh and then seasons 11 like 11 and 12 were starting to get real good and then I wholeheartedly believe that 13, 14 and 15 are like probably uh they're the best i think um the best seasons in a while like i think since definitely since season eight i think seasons 13 14 and 15 are pretty pretty good so i stopped at like the wrong time yeah once you get past um like nine and ten i think 11 through 15 really just are one after the other, just really good. Sorry, what was your question, James? No, I, I was going to say that's odd because usually, you know, like shows um, that have that dip never seem to really recover. I mean, I think usually it's because they get canceled uh, or just the writers get exhausted and they just fucking act the show. So that's cool that it managed to kind of like ride, even if it was just for a season, that hump and then uh, like come come back. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's kind of an anomaly, almost, I'd argue. They just found a second wind, like, a lot mm-hmm. of... I'd, I haven't seen enough Star Trek to actually say this, but I'm sure that's probably a thing that's happened with Star Trek if you take the franchise as one long thing, is they'll go hard and be really, like, what people want, and then it'll dip for a season or a series, and it'll rise up again for the next series, and Supernatural just did the same thing at a seasonal level. Shit. Yeah, that's... I mean, that makes sense. That's... I, I, that Star Trek is like a huge blind spot for me. I know enough to be dangerous, but not enough to be smart. Oh, that's, that's good. All right. So we're going to introduce a brand new segment this week. Oh uh, yeah. How to be a better buddy, where we give some general advice on uh, how to be a better buddy in situations of friendship or relationships. Quick disclaimer, like when you ask your friends for advice, it's not their fault if it's bad advice. Same rule applies here. Hey, um, we always give good advice. Well, I mean, we try. You give good advice. He's, uh, he's not really an advice-giving guy. But anyway. Anyway, uh, the first thought, scenario, yeah. and these, for, these have all been pulled from uh, Yahoo Answers for this week. It's a new segment, so we're experimenting a little bit. Next week, we might pull from Reddit. Uh, but this week, yeah, all on Yahoo Answers. Uh, first one, why do women cry when their husband dies? In my own dictionary, husband means physical abuse or verbal abuse. So apparently when a husband dies, his wife is set free from his tyrant dominion. I just don't get why women feel sad when they lost their husband when it's actually a good thing. Jesus oh. Christ. Yeah, that's, that's a lot to unpack. That's, yeah. that's, that's, a, yeah. my first piece that's of an advice, answer, right? This is, this is not, it, is that yours, your personal dictionary? Or is this uh, uh, an the answer writers. that was pulled? Oh, yeah. okay, okay. You're reading the whole okay. thing. Like, the, Sorry. the bold question is, the question why do... title is, yeah. why do women cry when their husband dies? And the more information is that husband means physical abuse or verbal abuse. So uh, my advice is either buy a new dictionary or buy the dictionary company and change the definition of husband. <laughs> that way Two no ways. one can question you on it. I mean, like, even if that was the case, um, uh, let's say that that because first of all, that's like a very bitter, like, who hurt you? First of all, second of all, I, I mean, I could liken it to like, why do you, why do people cry when their cat dies? Like, why do people cry when uh, a fictional character in a movie dies? Like, uh, it's very much um, a subjective thing. Obviously, attachment is a huge part of it like you're uh, very much attached uh, presumably you're attached to your husband on an emotional level at least intellectual level maybe by um, shane yeah well i mean like i get it like uh, i mean there are like i said it's a lot to unpack because yeah. i mean obviously um you know the what's the what's the man hating term misandry misandry uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that aside, I think just losing people in general that are so close to you for any period of time is very 
hard, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, and, you know, there are some cases where, yeah, it's like boyfriends are, you know, the word that gets thrown around a lot is toxic these days. Like, uh, and it's not saying like men or, I mean, obviously this question person, this is a very loaded question. First of all, <laughs> this is yeah. very loaded. Yeah. Left pack. Uh, I think even in toxic relationships, it's very, the grieving process is very much the same. Uh, sorry for sort of like answering the question. Uh, I mean, no, I, this, this we're, question we're give... asker has a lot of issues, I think, but I think everybody has issues yeah. when it comes to that sort of thing. Like, and we're here to give uh, a little bit of comedy and a little bit of real advice. Yeah. Went comedy, I mean, you went real and we bounced it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, I, I don't know if she necessarily has to get a new dictionary. Obviously there's, like uh, we don't know this person like they could have like literally been hurt you know like this person could have been abused for a very long time you know and they just sort of carried that through i think i don't know That's... i think for pr some practical advice you have your opinions and your stances on relationships with men but that doesn't mean everyone else does and so if you have a friend or a relative who is sad at this loss the best thing you can do for them is to pat them on the back and say, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. Because it's more important that you're supportive of them, how, no matter how you feel about uh, that type of relationship, than it is for you to espouse your feelings about it to other people at those times. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Like I said, uh, there's a lot of issues with this. Like, Well, I think it's hard because I, I think, you should, and to be fair, like, we're we're treating this seriously. It's on the internet. Like there's a 50-50 shot. This could have just been a shit post. Um, especially on Yahoo Answers. But taking it seriously, I would have to agree with you, Matt. Where it's just, I think that the biggest difficulty with me in this question is is the wording. Um, I feel like we like uh like people are very open nowadays, and we're talking about a lot of things that have affected a lot of people for a long time. And we're doing it for the first time, really acknowledging these things like, you know, depression, anxiety, mental illness, all that abuse. But it's hard because now that these words have entered our lexicon, they're very loaded and we don't seem to have good middle ground between like sad and depressed. Like sad is a little too bland depressed always feels to me like very 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 heavy um and i know that there are different levels of depression anxiety abuse things like that but it it's hard because i think matt you also raised a good point where it's like and we don't know this person could have been if if this is a real thing this person could have been physically and verbally abused by her uh significant other and that could be anything in her definition, if we're talking about dictionaries, I mean, her definition of physical abuse could be like the, the serious where it's like, uh, like being rammed up against a wall and shit like that. Or it could be like one time he bumped into me and that made me feel bad. Like, obviously those are two very extreme examples, but the, the point I'm trying to make is that like answering these types of questions is really difficult, especially nowadays, because it seems like the language that we use is very like unwieldy uh, to actually like discuss them sometimes with like appropriate uh, context and content. But I would also agree with you, Matt, where it's, um, it's really, really hard to open yourself up to somebody. And when you open yourself up that much um, with a certain level of intimacy, you just, you, you, uh, you also open yourself up to like, a whole new world of potential pain and hurt and like stuff that you didn't even know you could feel in places you didn't know you had. Um, and obviously there's the flip side of it where you feel like fantastic and beyond anything you felt before. I'd agree that this question is, is maybe a bit, uh, uh difficult or crude, um, but it is, I, I'd also argue it's, it's a very good lens into just, uh, just talking about some of this stuff because uh, you're right there's clearly someone that is like really really in pain unless they are shit posting in which case they are in a different kind of pain okay that yeah. was way deeper than i intended to get on that topic. there we go lads <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking perfect it's that was there was great. no good point to be like hey that, shut the hell up about your personal that, stories that are super that meaningful was, to you 
That was fantastic. Cathartic as shit. That was a good, yeah. It was like 30 we minutes. Should, we John should make Boyd. a separate podcast that's... Uh, Just go cover that one question for like a year on a separate podcast. Yeah, seriously, that's like eight mm-hmm. essays in one. Jeez. That's my okay. TikTok. Thank you for coming to my TikTok. <laughs> Bring it all the way around. Full circle, cyclical. Full circle. Okay, quick I'm lightning round. Calvin. Quick lightning round for the... We're skipping the third one, but we're going to do the second one still because I like it. And I think this one's yeah. funnier. Is it loaded? <laughs> no, not nearly as much. Uh, so from Yahoo Answers, the question is, how do I gently but firmly let people know I'm smarter than them? Uh, additional details. I usually have to cross this bridge with everyone I meet and try to get close with, but how do I inform them of this fact without upsetting them so bad they stop talking to me? You don't. Next question. You take out your massive schlong, you hit them across the face, and you gauge their response. Whatever their response is is how smart they are. And you're going to know if they're smarter than you or not by how they uh, respond. Calvin? Calvin's dead. He's yeah, ascended. I mean, uh, yeah. I don't, like, I guess if you think you're smarter than everyone else, that means you probably are. What is it? Like the Dunning-Kruger effect? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those who think they know more typically know the least. Yeah. But how do you gauge people who think they know more and who actually know more? You uh, don't. You I think the fastest. Do you don't, because then the uh, there's like another. I forget what the other like thing is, but those who typically doubt their skills the most. Well, not necessarily doubt their skills the most. Yes. Those yeah. who do know what they're talking about tend to underplay the amounts that they know, whereas those who know nothing tend to overhype. My answer is, uh, if they know that you're smarter than them, they'll continue to talk to you because they know that you're clearly superior. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah. I, what? <laughs> they will they will understand that because you are smarter, you are superior, and it is better for them to continue to talk to you. Is that what you do with us? Maybe. Is that what we do with RJ? See, that's the real question. Are I'll you... never tell. <laughs> oh, is this RJ's just like you're trying to find a way to tell us that you're smarter than us, but you don't know how, so you just slip this question into the podcast, and you're like, hey, guys, how do I, how do, I do this? And, like, get you I, to shut up about a topic on I think it's time we move on, on to a new segment. Different segment. Podcast. We're not going to address that. RJ is actually, like, a 40-year-old CIA agent who's uh, got detailed psychoanalytic profiles on all of us, and he's using this podcast yeah. as a means to, uh, to understand... Okay. He's actually the man-hater. He actually wrote all the questions. Yes! yes. (laughs) Let's build a conspiracy theory around that. Yeah! (laughs) Okay. Uh, These are all our new questions. Move on to our usual segment, Shouting into the Void, real quick. Dear God, you guys still haven't done that yet? No, it's gone forever. Uh, I like this. This podcast is great. I I like it. This episode is the best episode yet. The half-hour rant episode? (laughs) Uh, Half hour quick, seriously, uh, shouting into the void. You had the options available. Uh, Chris Evans, Arnold Schwarzenegger, both making the returns, and Bill Nye. Which one do we want? Did we already do Schwarzenegger? No, we did not. I'm gonna cast my vote for Schwarzenegger, but I want to hear other people's opinions. Uh, let's do Schwarzenegger and ask him when he'll be back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we should. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, why not? <laughs> Just been like, I've been waiting. When are you coming back? Yeah. Oh. When will you be back? Arnie. Arnie. How old is that guy? Uh, he's probably pushing almost 70s? Yeah. I don't I mean, know. He's, he's probably 72. like 70s. He's 72. Oh, really? Wow. He probably looks older because of all the roids. Happens. Yeah, that's, why I look, that's why I'm losing my hair because I'm getting getting jacked. I've yeah, been, dude. You, you've okay. been uh, keeping on that sketch. I see through the fucking. What is that? Uh, what's the sweater? What's that long sleeve? Uh, this is uh, Sand Cloud. They, so um, when I was still trying to become an Instagram model, um, oh, they, yeah. they made me a brand ambassador. And they sent, uh, I bought the shirt off them with the intent to take a picture, but I never liked the way I looked in the shirt until now. <laughs> Good. The mirror and I like pull, I stretch, dude, like, okay, look, you see my camera, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can cut this out of the... Well, yeah, like, we're, I'm how, definitely cutting this out. Don't worry about how, that. Look at how, like, big you my just, pants are. Hey, you slimmed down, dude. Are nice. you going to get some... Are you going to have to get some new jeans or something like that? I think or so. Belt. Or a belt. Or a belt, yeah. yeah. All right, dude, let's wrap okay. this up. 
it's sorry. Tower forty five, and I'm sitting on my brother's floor, and my butt hurts. Uh, Jay, you're a trooper. Please uh, don't cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> you are. Uh, all right. All right. Thank you, boys, for joining me, Calvin. Thank you for the few minutes you joined us for. Uh, thank you to the band Problem of Interest for allowing us to use their song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. They're very enjoyable. Go give them a listen. You can find us on Facebook, Better Buddies Podcast, on Twitter, at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when tweeting about the show. Uh, if you have a situation you want advice for, for how to be a better buddy, email us, betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. And we last but not least, separate podcast for the advice because I feel like that's. <laughs> Wait, we gotta close out. Last but not least, be a better buddy. You can always come here. Like, there's a lot of... I mean, it's COVID. It's... I mean, you can. (laughs) Because the the Republicans (sighs) said you could. We can't leave our homes. And then Republicans said, yes, you Republican. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, I believe that is the official Supreme Court statement. That is the argument. That's verbatim. The... You Republican. The Democrats were like, oh, fuck, they got us. There's no way to fight them. Whoever makes the banner pun during a Supreme Court hearing wins. God damn it. That's definitely oh. how we should from now on decide our Supreme Court cases. That's how we should about it. Yeah, battle of wits. Like whoever just has the wittiest response. Uh, because that would definitely cut down on fucking debate times. Because uh, those oh, things sure. would then be like maybe like 30 seconds. Well, what so happens if someone eight, wants to so filibuster I'm, and they I'm just like go off on a pun run? For like five hours, transitioning from one pun style to another of like, first they're doing bread puns, then money puns, then like banking but see, puns. That's trying too hard and they're automatically disqualified. I guess you could say that would be pun fortunate. I think that was more punishment <laughs> than it was worth. Ah, the pain. <laughs> I hurt in my soul. It's almost All like right. it's a campaign. Uh, hey, so that was.